and welcome to uh, another episode of The Rise of Jim Carrey. I'm Dave. Just in here too. And uh, today we are trying something a little bit new. We're trying a new uh, recording style. So uh, please let us know what uh, you guys think. If it's good, if it works for you. We're doing it uh, like everybody else <laughs> these days. We're doing it digitally. <laughs> uh, we're doing Normally we're, we're together recording this, literally sitting next to each other because of scheduling and life and all sorts of stuff. Uh, that's not a possible ability at the moment. So we thought we'd try something a bit different. I've been missing kind of doing uh, doing this little podcast, so uh, trying our best to make it work. Back with a bang with <laughs> uh, Kick-Ass 2. That's it, Kick-Ass 2. Who would have, this is what, 2013? Who would have thought? Yeah, this is this is 2013. Do you want to do the pitch or do you want me, the elevator pitch or do you want me to? I can really forget who's, uh, whose turn it is. I'm happy to do it. Okay. Bing! Hey, do you remember a couple of years ago we made that film, Kick-Ass? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, pretty popular, pretty good. Uh, they've uh, uh, got some more comic books out, so we're just going to do those. Okay. Here's yeah. a bunch of money because Marvel <laughs> is really successful. But it's uh, not going to be as good. Bye. Bye. Um, I, feel like, I feel like that is 100% the actual pitch. <laughs> so as we said, by the numbers, two, 2013... Uh, it was directed by Jeff Wardlow. Not a lot of things on Jeff Wardlow's page that I was... I, I normally try to find something that I'm like, yeah, that's really good. That's a really good film. But uh, I, th- I found like the new Fantasy Island, <laughs> uh, the horror movie one. Uh, and then there was uh, a Kevin James film on there as well. So I was a bit like, oh, okay. I think he was one of these directors before getting this this movie. I think this is one of his his first movies that he jumped into and has kind of since stayed in the horror genre mostly. Yeah, and I, you kind of pick that up the love of gore, I guess, from this film. Like, yeah. it's very yeah, it's very gory um, as we go on. Um, the budget. How much do you think the budget for this film was? Oh, oh well, yeah. That that's the thing. Is is Kick Ass? It's a sequel. The first one was quite successful, but I still think they keep the budget relatively low. Twenty eight million. What? Yeah, I was actually really shocked by that as well. I was like, uh, that is super low for yeah. the amount of kind of like special effects and stuff that they do in this movie as well. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot going on. There's some like heavy hitters as well, like um, character. You know, you got the man, the myth, the legend, Jim Carrey. The reason we're yeah. here. Like Don Leguizamo, um, the guy who plays Kickass, uh, who yeah. is Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, Aaron Taylor Johnson. He's you know, and so is Hit Girl Chloe. I can never remember her last name. Uh, Moretz. Chloe Moretz. Yeah, she like they're amazing. Like they they are kind of established names by this point. And the same with uh, the guy who plays uh, Mother. Uh, Effa uh, in the film. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to go because like just to say his name is swearing quite seriously. He's he's like he, he's done super bad. He's done a whole bunch of stuff by this point. So like they would have had to pay them a bit uh, as well. Um, yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of a, talk- a bunch of young adult actors who who had done other bits and pieces and and yeah, this is this is kind of a point in their career and they've all gone off in very interesting directions yeah because i met i first saw aaron taylor johnson in the um john lennon biopic that yeah. he did and he's amazing in that that's such a good movie where and he met his wife yeah 
uh, which I think is a podcast in itself. Yeah, and then like seeing him kick ass and then seeing him kind of come back. Can I just say, like right off the bat, he is cut in this <laughs> film. At the end, when he does that one arm pull up, I'm like, that dude, like he was training his butt off for that one shot. Like he is, and like they kind of hide it in this really, like they kind of give him these like baggy doggy clothes. I'm like, he's cut, like don't, He's fit, like we get it, you know. Like, but yeah, it's it's it's. So, I always find it so interesting in these superhero films where they do like, oh, I'm just this normal guy, and then they like take the top off, and like, oh no, sorry, I'm cut. Oh, how did that happen? Well, I know, I know. You know the... Um, I, I've been listening to uh, Zach Braff and Donald Faison do a podcast about Scrubs, and and Donald Faison, mm. uh, of course, plays uh, Doctor Gravity in this film. Um, yeah. and in that podcast, has mentioned that he he worked out harder for this film than I think he has for for most of his other roles. So he was um, as fit as he could be for this film which is just super and with Aaron Taylor Joy uh as uh, Johnson as well it, it, it seems really odd that these actors have got such a, a physical transformation for being everyday people being superheroes yeah it, it was a super weird choice um in that way yeah I will I, I kind of was like you you like you're doing the fight Corey and you're doing all this but like Kind of like you're in too good a shape almost uh, to be like a regular person on the street. How much do you think this money, this movie has grossed? I don't think it was very successful at all. Um, it's going to be a, under a hundred million. It was sixty million. Yeah. Worldwide gross. I was I was really shocked by that actually. Like I I thought it would be more, but uh, apparently not. Especially after the, the success of the first one, which was this oh. kind of surprise hit. The first one is. Brilliant. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna go right off the bat with this. Mind the pun with gravity. <laughs> but I was not a huge fan of this film at all, and I got probably ten minutes in and was like, "Oh, I think I just really wanted to watch the first one again." <laughs> um, I think that's what it. What was going on there for me? Look, can, can um, we can we just jump into the first one for a little bit here? Because it is yeah. one of one of my favourite films. It was, it's a, a, a really interesting film directed by Matthew Vaughan, who is a producer on this film, uh, but kind of handed off the the directing duties for this one. But I'm a huge fan of his films. He's done films like uh, Layer Cake with uh, Daniel Craig. Oh, Craig, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the film that convinced me that he was going to be a good Bond because that happened before. Mm. It was like his audition to be Bond, I think. Um, has done films like X-Men First Class, which was just first class. Brilliant. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Kingsman and Kick-Ass. Uh, all great films. Has done, yeah. yeah, some fantastic stuff. So really disappointing that he, I, I think if he jumped onto this sequel to direct, um, it would be a, a completely different story. But what was what was interesting about the, the first Kick-Ass, because this is, of course, based on a graphic novel by Mark Miller, who is just a, a complete powerhouse in the comic book world. I know this isn't a, a comic book podcast, but he's a, a really, really interesting comic book writer. He does a lot of his own stuff. Uh, like Kick-Ass was um, his own project that I think was published through Marvel. Um, 
but he also has has is responsible for some of the most famous uh, comic book runs in in comic book history. He was the guy behind Avengers: Civil War, which of course oh, wow. uh, got turned into the movie uh, Captain America: Civil War. is kind of based on his work. He also did uh, Superman: Red Sun, which is kind of this alternate universe take of of Superman if he was Russian, which is super popular. So really, really talented. Uh, comic book writer behind the uh, what what these films are, are based on. But what was what was interesting about the the first Hickass film is not technically an adaptation of the comic book, but kind of an adaptation of the comic book because it was the film and the comic book was kind of written at the same time. So, yeah, Mark Miller and Matthew Vaughan kind of met uh, on on his film Stardust and and kind of built a relationship there. And uh, Mark Miller was kind of working on the comic book as Matthew Vaughan was turning his ideas into this movie. So, yeah, the comic book and the movie script were being worked on at the exact same time. And, in fact, the comic book came out six weeks before the film was released, which is just astonishing. That's so great as well. That's such an interesting uh, way of doing it because you're going to get these people going like, what is this? Reading it and then being like, I want to see what they do with it now because it's still fresh in my brain. (laughs) Because that's always the thing with comic books, right? Like you go to a comic book movie and you're like, oh, is that a thing? Like I know when I go with my wife, she's always like, is that a thing? I'm like, well, technically in one universe that has happened. Yeah. Not necessarily in this universe, but I guess it's the cinematic universe. So now it has happened and it has become canon here, but not necessarily canon everywhere. And I guess if you're doing, you're only releasing the comic like that much earlier, then I was like, it's all canon. Like it's all good. I would be very interested to get Mark Miller's opinion on this film. Um, I, I think because he was involved in the process. Oh, of number two as well? Not so much number two. Like the, the, his comic books, uh, the sequels to that comic book had been released um, and it's kind of based on that work. So I, I, I just find it really interesting, the, the trajectory of the first film and, and being worked on simultaneously to have this story being crafted for a comic book narrative compared to a film narrative which is is two very different ways of of storytelling um uh, and to have the the collaborate uh the the filmmaker and comic book artist kind of collaborating together i think is a really interesting process but then to have this one where it is sort of based on those comic books but completely misses the mark i i really feel like that's actually kind of what this film needed it actually needed someone who was quite close to the source material to actually like get in there and be like hey um this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and don't do this and then and and sort of find its way through like there was just some really weird stuff in this film which i didn't really understand why it was there yeah um or what they were trying to do with it and i feel i feel like i was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking to, can't remember. It would come to me, but they were talking about the idea of like getting notes from um, a producer and like you know, do you choose to take those notes or do you or do you not? And getting notes from the studio. And I feel like with this film, the studio gave them notes and they just took every single one. They were like, you know what you need? You need like a big unnecessary dance number 
by this girl. It's very <laughs> suggestive. You need it. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. We can do that. Yeah, we'll put that in. And it's just, it's just, it completely breaks the whole thing for you. You're like, what are we, like, what is, because this could have gone very like Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it could have gone very gritty and that kind of, like Dark Knight Rises meets um, Watchmen, really, is where this film really could have gone, but it didn't. I don't even know. I don't even know. It's like, I, I, I just, my, my, my main problem with this film is that I didn't really care yeah. about anybody in the film except, and I know this is going to be, every, all our listeners are going to be like, what? <laughs> but Jim Carrey's character is like the only character that I kind of actually was like, I want to watch a movie about him. Like that guy, <laughs> that yeah. guy is super interesting. But like, oh, I, we should mention as well. I just realized that um, Aaron Taylor Johnson is actually Quicksilver, yeah, in um, the second Avengers movie. And I was so like, he did, he did graduate. He did actually get to use the um, superhero physique that he trained for. <laughs> but 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 also, uh, which is uh, my favorite kind of uh, one of my favorite comic book bits of trivia is Evan Peters in the first film, who's recast in this film, plays the character of Todd Haynes. And Evan Peters is also Quicksilver in the X-Men universe. Oh, great. That's so great. That's So, yeah, you've got both Quicksilvers in this uh, weird comic book satire universe. And I know I'm a massive X-Men fan, but I will take X-Men Quicksilver over Avengers Quicksilver any day. Um, he's so much closer to the character and he's so much more fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I That is a completely separate podcast. <laughs> Get, getting into the legalities of that kind of Quicksilver deal just excites me so much it was just such a such a a crazy thing that happened but i won't get into that yeah we won't get it let's let's get back to let's unfortunately (laughs) get back to kick-ass too i got like some notes here i'm just gonna go through them and and we can i I guess we'll just use them as a bit of a a talking point yeah um I, i quite liked the initial opening moments uh in the um dump with the gun like i was like this is a really cool way to start this movie because you're like, what is happening here? Why are they doing this sort of thing? The montage that follows, this weird narrated montage, which is probably the first 15 to 20 minutes of the film, just, I was I was kind of bored. I was like, yeah. this is way too easy. It's kind of boring. Like, I was like, yeah, I, I don't know what we're doing here. Like, it's kind of, okay, Suicide Squad meets clueless is this film <laughs> i like that i like that where you kind of like oh there's all these superheroes who i don't really care about but they've got these like high school dramas which i also don't care about i would much rather watch the two films that this is like a bad version of than watch this film and, yeah, and I don't it, know. It, it uh it just gets a bit clunky in in setting up it, it takes a little while to get into the the real kind of meat and potatoes of this film it's it's oh, yeah. it's trying to set these characters up again but just kind of waffles a little bit to to get there i tell you i i don't i don't normally say this um on this podcast or kind of anywhere but i genuinely as an actor and a human being felt sorry for chris um who plays uh uh, MB, I guess. No, 
MF? MF. Yeah, MF. Because I was just like, what are you doing? Why are they doing this to you? Like, I am so sorry. You are such a better actor than this. Like, gave him absolutely nothing. And he is, like, working his butt off to work them scenes. And it's just garbage. Like, you've got um, Jura from Game of Thrones there for a scene. You've got John Leguizamo. Let's go back to to that. He's there for a scene, does his thing, and then is inconsequential to the the rest of the film. But, like, that one scene is so good. Like, he just, I feel like, I feel like they had, like, I feel like they had Jim Carrey for two days and they had him for an afternoon. And he was like, I, I can only film this. I'm going to be in uh, New York for a couple of, like, two days. I've got an afternoon free. And they're like, cool, we just literally need you to sit in a chair and say this. Um, you come in, it'll be set up. You do it, you go home. And he was like, okay. <laughs> we, just want, we just want you in this film. It um, ultimately is really pointless. It doesn't really have oh. any consequence on the film all that much, except of... of trying to give uh, his character a bit of motivation, which he didn't really need anyway. Yeah, it's like um, to kill his conscience, basically. Mm. To be like, okay, now I can just do whatever I want. And I was like, there's so many other ways to do that that are actually interesting. I felt like, I felt like John Leguizamo got like a couple of days into filming. It's like, I want out. I want out right now. They're like, okay, well, we can't lose all the footage we just shot, so we're going to kill <laughs> you. <laughs> and then... You're done. And he's like, great. It's like, and this is a guy who in Moulin Rouge played somebody dressed up as a fiddle. (laughs) 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 He would much rather get out of this film, I think, than like do that. I was just like, I don't blame him. Like, I kind of, there's a little bit of me that's like, I kind of feel like a lot of the actors in this film were kind of like, cool. Yeah. Number two. Oh, yeah. This is not very good. All right. And I feel like the the worst one was kind of um, Hit Girl. I feel like she probably was like, oh my God, basically I'm going to get my own film. It's going to be this real coming of age story. And then it just becomes this thing where you're like, why do I care about this? So I was going to say, like, I get the idea that like she's looking for, like trying to figure out who she is without her psychotic father. Um, I really miss Nicolas Cage in this film, by the way. <laughs> and I was like, I get that. Like, I get that. There is so many different ways to tell this story. And so many other people have told it. Like, you look at Spider-Man. Spider-Man is that story mm. over and over again because they keep remaking it. But, like, why do, why do, like, why do we care about her, like, in that way? Like, not because, it, obviously, not because it's a woman story i think that's actually a very interesting way of doing it and i think that's like new territory but i feel like they just didn't really give it any guts they kind of like oh and then she gets bullied by the popular girl and you're like cool like why don't we actually do something real and actually kind of say something you know until like tacking it onto the end was like yeah but you can be tough if you want to be be who you want it's like why couldn't we just do that in a very different way that actually like resonates with people instead of like giving us mean girls basically well i i I actually found that not not the way that it kind of turned out but that was an interesting 
aspect of this film that they really should have explored more is Hit Girl was this this uh, young, well, eight or nine-year-old girl in the, the first one who was swearing and killing people and be, beating people up. And seeing that character kind of going through adolescence and, and traversing that, that high school life, I think there's something really interesting there that they started touching on on in this film but could have gone so much further with um like there was a bit where i was like i would actually look into with her like this idea of ptsd as well because like she's like oh you know i got my childhood stolen and like how does that come out in her like how like that that for me is a much more interesting story. Like somebody who's basically been traumatized mm. as a child, and then is like, "Cool, now you've got this like really lovely guy who's willing to step in and look after you, and you've been put in this thing." But like, how does that actually manifest itself? What does that mm. look like? Because in, um, in in the comic books, I think that the story is a bit more symbiotic with Dave, where like she's training him to be a better superhero, and he's training her to pass as normal to be a teenager, teaching her how to be a teenager. Because because she she doesn't know this world; it is foreign to her. So there, there, there's kind of this really interesting duality between the two characters, kind of teaching one another that kind of started but then their, their stories very much kind of split up and became their own individual thing absolutely and see that's a much better film like that's a much better film and it's like almost one of those things you're like i wonder if the two actors had like issues with each other so they didn't want to be because they like they are basically not on screen together mm. like they're on screen at the start and the end together and the rest of it's phone calls i also feel like a little bit like we were saying earlier that like if if I found out that like because they were all like up and comers from the first one, that then they couldn't all be in the same room at the same time together, so they had to like shoot bits and pieces all over the shop, that would make so much sense. Because there's so many times I'm like, Where is everybody? Like why can't why won't Hit Girl sneak out? She's like, Oh, I made a promise. It's like, did you? Like, what are you like your friend is going to die. What are <laughs> you doing? One of the things that I've written just to sort of shift gears a little bit um, is the song ad when they go to that slumber party. Oh, yeah. I was like, what is this? Like, what is actually happening? I'm like, this is an ad I for this band or whatever. Like, I don't even know if they're a real band, but I was like, yeah. why, is, why is this in this film? Just so that she can get aroused i'm like there's so many other ways to do that and i think that's where you could have you i think all i'm doing today is i'm critiquing this film i'm so sorry i've just realized what i'm doing no okay. i think i was like i think what you do is you have that moment when she's training with dave when he takes his top off which they do at the end of the film i think you have that earlier mm. she's like whoa and then she goes to her friend and be like this weird thing happened she's like oh my god i think you like him and it's not that she likes him, it's just that she's coming of age and is like, you know, getting attracted to people. That's actually, and that's a much interesting, more interesting story instead of like meeting up with these awful girls who have some of the worst dialogue in a film that I've heard in a long time and be like, okay, well, we needed to get horny in this bit. Uh, <laughs> let's have a boy band. It's like, cool. 
Why? But they, like, they, they, why? they made such a thing of it. Like I, I get if it was just a, because it, it's kind of a, kind of satirizing the those kind of teen movies and that teen experience. So I get why it's there, but they make such a point of it. And it goes on for so long that I, th- I think when I first watched it, I was like, oh, this band is going to be part of the story. And later in this film, she's going to like kick them in the nuts or something, because that's what we expect from this, this ultraviolet film. But then they just don't turn up again. Couldn't agree with you more. I was just like, oh, okay, this is going to be a thing. Great. No. I was like, what I would have done is have that band be part of the gang at the end of MF's gang for some reason, or like they're playing at that concert to kill kick-ass and then she like beats them up and yeah. you're like, brilliant, <laughs> full circle. But it's like, no, it's like, oh, hey, I need you to put my band in this movie. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> no worries. Thanks for the million dollars. Great. And off we go. Like it was just such a waste. And it was so stupid. My note is slumber party, awful, comma, literally hate it. <laughs> I hated every second of that scene. I was like, this is so pointless. Jim Carrey, he's amazing. He is amazing in this film. Yeah. I was like, look, what ended up being such a small part of this film, the character work that he has done on himself, like his physique, like the whole thing, like he was one character where I'm like, oh, you're like a fully fleshed character here. And that's why I was like, I want to watch him. Like when they start talking about his backstory, which I actually really did like that moment where they're all sh- sharing their sob stories. I was like, <laughs> that, I was like, and that's, and that I, I will go on record as saying that is one thing that I kind of do like about this film that they, that they nailed in the first one and they kept up a little bit in this one is comic book tropes and comic book movie tropes that are like kind of weird until like, they're kind of weird when somebody points them out to you. Like, yeah. Like the Justice League, they must have all sat around and be like, "My parents were killed." And you're like, "Oh, I was like, oh, Batman, I'm, I'm so sorry." <laughs> like, but that was really lovely to sort of have that moment. Um, but like, he just he was just playing a different sport, Jim Carrey. The whole yeah. movie, like the whole twenty minutes of the movie he was in, I was just like, "You just um, level." A little less than twenty minutes. Have, have you have you read how long his screen time is? No. Guess. Let's uh, let's play a little guessing game. How how much screen time do you think Jim Carrey has in this film? I'm going to say eleven minutes thirty. Lower. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. I realised that this is a um, audio me- medium. I just did. <laughs> my jaw just dropped. Everybody. Uh, <laughs> nine minutes. Lower. Lower than nine minutes. Oh my god. Uh, seven minutes fifty. So close. Seven seven minutes forty five. Oh my. God, I was so close. <laughs> He's only in this film for seven minutes and 45 seconds? Yeah, but what are seven minutes and 45 seconds? Has the best fight scene in the whole movie when they get that guy. And just like, I love that um, his, like his dog... But like that he's turned his trained his dog in German because that's like a very common practice. And just like, it was just little things like that. I was like, this is such a great thing it did remind me there was moments of it where i was like he was he reminded me of hank yeah for me myself and irene <laughs> he's Especially got when he knocks on, yeah when he knocks on the door and he's like we want to see the boss like just like 
and he's like headbutts him. You're like, oh, this is brilliant. This is so good. Oh my god. Yeah. I now need to make it my mission to find out how much he got paid for seven minutes and 45 <laughs> seconds work. I take it back. I reckon they had him for a day, maybe yeah. a day and a half. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's uh, yeah, not, not long on screen at all. Uh, also, a, a bit nicer death than he had in the uh, comic book adaptation uh, where the, in, in the comic book, uh, his, his dog doesn't survive. Yep, the Ooh. they they literally decapitate both of them and then put the dog's head on his body. How horrible wow. is that? I did love the fact that then he's like, "Do you want me to kill the dog?" And he's like, "No." <laughs> what? <laughs> and I was kind of like, "I wonder if that's like a little bit of a wink at John Wick." Like I was like, "No." Yeah, I'm really glad I didn't see that. I would have been quite upset. Uh, I, I thought upset. so. I thought so. Yeah. But yeah, Jim's Jim's work in this is so amazing, and there's so many, so much like very subtle prosthetics that they've done to him yeah. as well. Like, especially when they take his mask off, and you can see that they've like made it so his nose has been broken and reset. And but he's also like, you can tell he's like properly trained oh, yeah. for this as well. Yeah, I I really just I wouldn't have been sad if the camera like if Kikas had left and the camera had just like followed him home, like I would have been like, who is this guy? What's he doing? What's happening here? Yeah. Um, and a, a really, a really interesting character of, of, of this ex gangster. Um, mm. and, and in the comic, oh, I, I think it's alluded to here is, uh, was, was kind of a henchman for the, the big bad guy from the first one for that, the, the, the crime family. Um, and, uh, kind of saw the errors of his ways. So he works for MF's dad. Yeah. Oh, he did. And then he did. Yeah, that's cool. I kind of, I there was like just certain little things, like um, like Kickass's girlfriend breaking up with him, and then him getting with like Night Bitch, where I was just kind of like feel like they're just like we need to flesh this out a bit like we need to put stakes on this somewhere um but yeah it just i was just kind of like cool like i literally literally wrote like i just don't care like I yeah don't, the the bit where the part where i would have started the movie is actually at the funeral at the dad's funeral. Oh, That's interesting. Where I would have started the movie. So I would have started the movie there, not reveal who the dad is in the coffin, and then like gone to the point where they like open fire and then gone back and explain how yeah. we got here and then carried on because that like that's a very common comic book movie yeah. trope but also like it's just it like you're like but how do we get to a f like you're like oh my god somebody in this group is going to die and then you're like oh no it's not and then like you keep it, it just keep you guessing what's happening like i i honestly didn't see um jim carrey's character dying because you're like oh he's on the poster like he's literally on the poster and he's only in it for seven minutes and 45 seconds. I, yeah, I would have at least had him do a little bit more, especially because it, it seems um, like casting Nicolas Cage in, in the first one of, of this kind of big 
groundbreaking, important performance, which was just absolutely astounding in the first kick-ass. And you kind of get that from the couple of scenes that you have with Jim Carrey of, of oh, this is going to be, this is going to be cool. And, and having that shock of, of him getting killed off so easily, I think um, it's a really interesting narrative device and, and having a character and an actor as, as prominent as that getting killed so quickly is definitely there for the shock factor. Cause this is, this, this movie is all about the shock factor. Um, but I just don't think it was really paid off that well. It's not a, a, um, uh, uh, Ned Stark in Game of Thrones kind of moment, which it it could have been. Yeah, I I kind of was like, I thought what was going to happen is Kickass was going to like turn up at his place, and they were going to have like a heart to heart, and he was going to reveal like actually I wasn't in the mob, I'm actually like a postman, and this that and the other, and yeah. it was going to be this real thing where he's like, you know, you got to decide who you want to be, you know, but. No, um, just disappointing, I yeah. think. Um, I thought the bit where... I'm just jumping all over the place because... Uh, <laughs> the movie does. A, the movie really, really does. But the 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 bit where um, she comes back to school is all hot after they've like date-ditched her. Okay, okay. Another missed opportunity. <laughs> I was like... I was like, she rocks up at his place and they are like, and they're chatting and she kind of is like, oh, he's kind of hot. And then he's like, you know, you got to get your own back in your own way. And I was like, they are literally having a party, go to the party and like destroy it. I was like, that's the payoff. That's, that's what Hit Girl would do. But she doesn't. She goes and like tasers them and like you get this. I thought the vomiting scene was very, very funny. I was actually like, I don't normally like that stuff in movies. I quite liked it in this movie. <laughs> just, the, just the like shock on the girl's face as she's vomiting or this like milk out. And I was like, that's, that is actually pretty good. Um, some um, stellar sound effects going on there as well. Absolutely. But I was like, go to the party with that thing and start tasering all the people and just have them vomiting on each other and then just like walk away. You know, like that's what I would have done. That's the film I would have done because that's more in keeping with like this darker hit girl side of herself. Anyway, I, yeah, I, I thought it was funny, but I was like, oh, you can actually use this. Like this is like, that because then that's her kind of going, This is always going to live in me, mm. and yeah, I, I, I felt like I felt like she was kind of fighting the script a lot of the time in this film. Like, I felt like she was kind of looking, she was just kind of like, She's digging and she's digging and she's digging, and she's like, Oh, there's just nothing here, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems the, the script almost seems superficial here. It, it's there's some fantastic actors there's some fantastic performances um but everything seems really surface level and it could have been so much more interesting if they dived just a little bit deeper there's there's a lot going on in this film in in terms of uh, the 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 mother ether and um mm. what he's going through with with his father being exploded by a bazooka um and, and the the duality of of uh kick dad um 
kind of going the same way, but it, it ultimately feels like they're just hitting these points rather than exploring the, the, the emotion and truth behind these moments. Yeah, I thought there was something like, you know, something that would have been really lovely to explore when he's like, you killed my dad. Well, you killed my dad. And that really explore that, like, just even have a moment where they're just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. But they're like, nah, he punches him in the face and then it's all on. And I was just like, well, I guess, you know, you don't really want to get that deep. It kind of felt like they were afraid to get really deep. I don't know. I don't know if that's a fair statement to say, but it, it, I don't know. I feel like there's like, I feel like if I found out that there was this pressure on the director to make certain choices or like to sort of make a, like make it lighter than the first one or something, I would be like, oh, okay, that's fine. But um, <laughs> it's, it's very hard to make a film like Kick-Ass Lighter because that's, that's, it's all about the, the, the shock factor and over the top violence. Um, and I think, I think that's where, where the, the Kick-Ass and Kick-Ass 2 films are, are very interesting is, is of course, Kick-Ass 2 was made with a studio behind it. But uh, the first Kick-Ass, I don't think had, had a studio behind it. Like um, it was a lot of, of uh, Matthew Vaughan just kind of getting in and doing it. And I think he was, he was joking around on set that it was the most expensive home movie ever made because they didn't have a studio behind it when they were, were in production. And I think it's a better movie for it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel, I feel like they've played it safe or something here. I really do. I'm super not a fan. Um, I probably won't ever watch it again. And, and kind of bringing Jim Carrey back into this as well, because um, there was a lot of controversy around him after the film as well. Because um, oh, really? he, he uh, I'm guessing you haven't, haven't, read too much into this but um uh the the film was released i think a couple of weeks after the sandy hook massacre and uh the the kind of controversy around this film was was jim carrey flat out refused to do any media or promotion around it because of the violence in the film and he 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 couldn't in himself kind of justify promoting this film with what had happened in in Sandy Hook. Um, uh, of course, uh, Jim Carrey being a, a, a big kind of anti-gun campaigner, but but a fan of the first film. But I, I, he, I think his views kind of changed between finishing filming this and uh, definitely the impact of the, the Sandy Hook massacre on him um, just meant he, he in in good faith couldn't go and do the promotional circuit for this film that is so incredibly interesting and i it's just that i think because i've been listening to a lot of um a plug for grounded with louis theroux and that idea of like where the the actor and the celebrity meet and you know like they take on these projects like obviously like you said like jim carrey loved this film wanted to be involved his good friend Nicolas Cage was in the first one probably talked it up to him and he's like great and then this thing happens and you're like oh actually did I in some way feed into that I've got to step back and then you get yeah you get into this weird territory which he has actually had quite a lot in his career mm. a lot of kind of controversy about certain things and you know certain things that we've talked about on this podcast for sure I I don't know about that one though. That's I think that's quite interesting to be like to then turn around and be like, no, actually, um, it's like, bro, like 
you knew how violent this film was when you were making it. Like, yeah, you get there's violence every day. Like, yeah, not saying not to downplay obviously the um, Sandy Hook massacre at all, but I think if you are making even like even like an action film at all, like you have to understand that there are ramifications of yeah. people seeing that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, and 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 because this film kind of explores a, a lot of the uh, not not too deeply, but uh, the the consequence of violence that 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 it's it's there to make a, make a bit of a statement. And I, I know there was a, a bit of backlash from from uh, people with the film to his comments as well. We with uh, I think. Uh, Mark Miller, the the comic book artist, kind of went. Well, that's that's like you stepping away is probably promoting it even more because of the controversy around it. Um, yeah, but absolutely. but also also it's a film called Kick Ass. Like, what do you what do you expect in terms of violence? But like, completely respect his his decision to to not want to jump into that conversation at that time. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know what I would do there, actually, if I, if that was me, like, I don't know, like, because you, you kind of want to back your own work because, you know, I would assume that you're proud of it, but also like, you know, you have your own sort of internal politics and agendas that you're trying to push as well. And if those two things don't align, what do you do? Hmm. But also, it's not a very good film, so no harm, no foul. Yeah, absolutely. And and Mark Miller's absolutely right. Like, you know, the fact that he did do that, you kind of go, all right, well, they, oh, there must be something in this film that's like super shocking. We should go and see it. If one of the if one of the actual main characters who's on the poster but is only in the movie for seven minutes and forty five seconds <laughs> um, is not willing to talk about it, like he must be like full on, you know. Um, you always run into that conspiracy thing in your head, don't you? Where you yeah. go, maybe it was just like an, oh, it was all a thing, like it's all <laughs> a ploy to get people to come and see films, and and sometimes uh, it is, you know, absolutely it is. But uh, in this case, I feel like Jim Carrey was like, oh, yeah, maybe maybe not this one, um, which is interesting because his character um, quite openly doesn't have a loaded gun in it. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was. Which I was like, knowing that he stands on um, gun control, like I was like, oh, that is quite interesting. Um, I think it's probably worth jumping in to uh, final thoughts. Final thoughts about this. Unless you have something that you um, want to cover that we haven't covered so far. No, no. I, I just want to move on from this film. Yeah. I think that there is a lot of... One of the things I will say is that it does it does sort of poise sort of pose the question not poise the question pose the question about the idea of um the ramifications of being a vigilante yeah which i think is quite interesting like i i did i did quite appreciate especially around um kickass's dad and what happens to him i thought i was like that's an interesting conversation like that's an interesting point about like People are actually getting hurt. People are actually dying. And, you know, like we can't just take the law into our own hands. Otherwise, we are, you know, very quickly going to chaos. Um, I I just, I, I kind of feel like 
it needed to be a bit grittier and I feel like it need like if you wanted to go the way that they went, it kinda needed to be directed by like um Ataka Watiti or um Tony is it Tony Gunn from Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh uh James Gunn. James Gunn, yeah, James Gunn, who's new in the new Suicide Squad, which mm. I think is going to be awesome with King Shark, who's the best character in the world. Sylvester Stallone. Um, yeah, because King Shark is a shark. I don't know if you guys know this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like they needed to go that direction with it. And I feel like, you know, like they put together like the band of supervillains and the only one you care about is the Russian one because <laughs> she gets the most screen time. But like... Also, that you're like, I don't think she needs any of these people. I think she can just go and do this. On and I thought the way that they killed her was a bit of a cop out as yeah. well. Um, I did, I did quite enjoy the kind of homage of him dangling through the skylight with MF, and then like him dropping him and all that. Like I, I was like, that's that's cool. Like that imagery. Like we know that image and stuff, but. Yeah, I I feel like, you know, it needed a couple more rewrites um, because it's not the talent. The talent was there. Yeah. It's actually, they just didn't have anything to work with. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's a, a, a really tough genre to get right. It, it requires, it, it doesn't seem like it, but it requires such a, a soft touch and you really it's a, a real tightrope walk to get a film like this to resonate and to work to to do that satire and this is why I love Matthew Vaughan's work because um, he, he a lot of his projects kind of go along this these lines of being kind of a satire of the genre that we're seeing but at the same time being a really good uh, version of that genre, which is just fascinating to have that humour, to have that over-the-top um, kind of shock comedy, uh, but to have a, a approachable story and a, a story that resonates with the audience at the same time whilst doing that satirical over-the-top stuff is a very, very hard thing to do. Oh yeah, if you if you can do a satire but also do like a really good film within the genre, like he does, like you know, you're kicking goals. Where I feel like they don't that it's almost like they didn't know what sort of film they were making when they made this. You know? Um but uh yeah, that's my that's my thoughts on this film. Um if you guys uh agreed or disagreed or do you think there's something that we missed or something that we should have uh discussed please uh, jump on to the comment section of wherever you get your podcasts from or you can find us at at dandle.fun um, on the Facebooks and we will get that. We're also on Twitter at dandle underscore fun. That's D-A-N-D-L um, underscore fun and uh, you can chuck us a comment or a thing on there. I'll be super honest, I don't really know Twitter very well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just backed away. Um, or like we've had some of our lovely listeners in Canada send through uh, voicemails or you can get in contact with us in so many different ways and we love, 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 love to hear from you. We yeah. honestly, honestly do. It actually really makes our day when we get stuff from you guys. But uh, yeah, 
Uh, what is next, Tristan? What are we What are we uh, doing next time? Up next, we've got another sequel. We're going to Dumb and Dumber Two. Ooh. Yeah. I do not know how I feel about this because I cannot remember how I felt about seeing this film. It really brings up weird stuff for me. I haven't seen it, so it's going to be an interesting trip for me. Yeah, you're going to have a real weird time. You're going to have a real <laughs> weird time. Uh, cool, guys. Well, until next time, we'll see you guys then. Look after yourselves and each other. Bye.